just want to thank everyone out there who's showed their support towards the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. And if you've got any mates out there who've uh, got a few proper true yarns and uh, or someone who you know who's a mad dog who might want to come on and spin a few to us, uh, send it through. And uh, if you do one favour for me that would be absolutely incredible, click on the proper true yarn podcast, go to your settings of that and uh, hit auto download because we all know how uh, terrible the phone service in Australia is and I hate the old episode be cut short due to um, terrible phone service. So if you get that auto downloaded, um, we'll be all good to go and there'll be no interruptions. Oh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Did that really fucking happen? This ripper bloke called Knuckles, some call him the big knuck, spinning stories tall and true that'll make you say, holy fuck, the cities to the outback on the highway or the farm, crack a cold one with Knuckles and tell us a proper true yarn. Welcome back to the proper true yarn podcast, the show at which we extracted the wildest and the best yarns from the best people around the world. So, uh, Danny, tell us the fucking yarn you have about the Bass Strait. The offshore construction industry is a very hard industry. A lot of people lost their lives in the time I worked in it. I just turned 69 years old and I started that when I was 18 years old. I've seen a lot of death uh, and damage and people hurt, killed, maimed, etc. offshore. Um, well, I suppose that's why they paid so much to do it, mate. It's, it's technically danger money, is it? Yeah, like- it's, yeah it's very very dangerous and it just proves you look at the stats of people who die there. But the time I was offshore, I've seen, uh, I've seen people... Killed in many different ways. Divers are pretty good stats, you know. They are poor buggers. They went out, especially in the North Sea. They got cleaned up big time for a period of time. But in Bass Strait, they, uh, for instance, I was going to work one night. I met a bloke in a pub in Sale. Had a couple of beers with him, and I said, "What are you up to, mate?" He said, "I'm going to work offshore." It's a beauty, you know. And I went out there and uh, flew out the helicopter. Come on the next shift, and this bloke was standing in front of me. I said, "Right, good one, mate. How are you? How are you?" And he climbed up on the platform. It was called the mackerel platform I think we're working on, mackerel. And he climbed up on the platform, went to the top there, and his first shift out there and uh, and somebody gave him a job to carry, carry a, you know, go and get a box of gloves and carry him up. He had him in front of him and he misstepped up top and he fell. And I was on the deck of the barge. It was fairly winter time and uh, uh, I saw him fall. It looked like a pair of overalls just falling down through, uh, hitting the stuff and in the air. He hit the water. Realised as a person, and uh, I dived in myself and uh, got a hold of him, uh, got him back to the ladder, and the swells were going through. I picked you know, every time a swell went through, I'd get a couple of rungs. So I had him under my arms with the full weight of him. But there's not much anybody else could do to help me because they were up top looking down. So I was yelling at them. In the end, a bloke come down with a rope. Another fella come down to help me, and we got him up there. And uh, the poor bugger died in my arms. Holy fuck. And I looked at him and I thought, shit, I couldn't believe it. it was a bloke I drank beer with and played pool with the day before in a hotel. And that, that, that one come home, it was, uh, that wasn't, it wasn't good, but as time went on there in that particular job... Um, you reckon the, the fall killed him? Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. far would he have fallen, mate, oh, just for everyone shit. listening? Top of the top of the platform, you know, I was, uh, shit, 50, 60, 100, got over 100 feet. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yep. So yeah, 30, and, thirty-five. And he beams. struck. He struck beams on the way down, but yeah, uh, I think it would have been pretty quick for the poor bugger. But it was ironic uh, that you know dived in, and it was really, you know, and that stuff like that happens, and uh, you look at it. But we had another instance of a man went through what they called a tension machine, a huge track-like thing, like a bulldozer track, and uh, this poor bugger got hooked up in there. Long story, but he went through it, and. Uh, 
but you come out the other end like a piece of mat and uh, that was very sad too because the poor bloke had been in the job for, for a long time and there was only like the job was almost finished and we only had a couple of nights to go to finish the job and he was going back to Canada to see his wife or she was flying to Australia to meet him and and so on and uh, he had all his paperwork out on the bench, we talked about it but the old familiarity breeds contempt uh, and that poor bloke basically, uh, yeah, he, uh, he dropped his guard. And uh, that's one thing. There's been so many people killed offshore in, in not just Bass Strait, all over the world, yeah. um, different situations and so on. And overseas with working with American companies, they don't seem to care a great deal about it. And if we did back in those days, uh, people were indispensable. They'd get wiped out, they'd get another boat layout the next day. And that was very sad stuff. But I learned a lot of lessons in life there uh, about the whole situation and... Um, yeah. But uh, it happened. It happened. And people don't understand that. And things have changed. Views have changed these days. Everybody's different. Uh, that sort of stuff doesn't happen there because the safety regulations come in and so on and so forth and, and that's good too. In that time, if you died out there, what was the process of getting that body back to shore? How long were they on the boat? or mate, How did that sort of work? Well, I saw a bloke kill one night, one afternoon, on a vessel in Indonesia. Uh, he was murdered. He, wasn't, he didn't die. He was murdered. He was, he was belted with a bloody with a piece of copper pipe. He fell over the side. They pulled him up because being a Muslim, uh, the divers around pulled him up. They had him uh, on, a, on a boat straight into town because the Muslim deals, they bury them before, before nightfall. Uh, no investigation because there's no body and so on and so forth. The other thing is on the jobs with, you know, people get hurt or injured, uh, usually helicopters straight out there, pick them up, always the best you can get in my hometown. We had a doctor in my hometown, a uh, hell of a good bloke. He was an expert on diving. He flew out several times to Bass Strait and actually get in that decompression chambers with divers who had been bent, had the bends, and he stayed with them. Some survived, a couple died. But he'd get in there and get blown down with them and he saved lives, that bloke, you know. It's a lot of different things. Normally, it's like out in those situations, in this country, in this country, Australia, civilised countries, I say, uh, they look after you, do their best, get you in. We have medics on board, doctors on board and so on. You get top stuff. Overseas, different. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Middle East, those sort of places. Mate, if you get cut up, sliced or hurt on a dig, you're probably going to die there. And yep. I've seen it. I've seen it. So divers, divers are the, the fellas that usually got whacked the most over there? Oh, shit, yeah. The old divers copped a lot. Yeah, they... they uh, you've got to think, going back in history, uh, not back... In 1968, 69, as uh, in my hometown, Ben's, there was a company called DiveCon, an American dive company came over, and they put in a, a huge underground tank to train divers. Um, back in those days, it was all new. The equipment wasn't good. They had old, old hats, this old stuff, old technology that really come ahead in the next 15 years, next 10 years come ahead. But uh, I knew friends that, uh, that got bent so many times. I had a friend out there from, from my hometown... He got bent several, several times. And when I say bent, yeah. uh, get the bends, uh, it ruins it. It's an oxygen bubble expanding in your body, in your bloodstream. does severe damage. It can kill you. But uh, so, no, a lot of times you get out of it. This guy had been bent quite a few times, but this poor bugger actually um, did himself in because he, he was in pain, so much pain. He's go to the pub. He sit there and drink to drink. Then he drink half a dozen whiskeys, a few beers and go home. Beautiful bloke, sit down. In the end, it's got too much for him. Back in those days, never got much help as such. Uh, you know, if you were injured, that sort of thing. Uh, these days, it's different. But 
back then, a lot of guys got bent. So many people, so many divers got bent and, uh, and just went home and suffered it for the rest of their life with the side effects. Yeah, wow. Uh, in the middle, in North Sea, it's probably the worst place in the world for divers, very rough conditions over there, rules not so good, so on and so forth. A lot of guys got sucked into bloody turbines and ships, sucked into props, there's problems on the bottom. And the thing is, you must remember, if a diver goes down, he's using mixed air, he's got a helmet on, there's a guy up top at a console and he is mixing the air and looking after the guy down below. Your life is not in your hands. Perfect example, I was in a barge in Surabaya, a friend of mine, a young bloke, 26 years old, went down for dive and he should have had a standby diver watching him. Uh, standby divers lying back in, the, back in the back room reading Playboys or whatever. And that guy got in difficulties and he died before that diver got dressed out to go down and help him. That's one option. I've seen on other barges in my life, construction barges, that uh, I've gone into rooms where the divers are, um, they just snort lines off the top of the TV, you know. And these are the guys that are running the, the gas chambers and running, the, you know, running all the panels looking after the guys on the bottom. Yeah, well, and yeah. I used to sit back thinking, no, no, no. I did a little bit of dive for myself when I was young. Yeah. Uh, and, and also I did a couple of little dives offshore in certain circumstances. But I, no way would I ever do that because your life is not your own. It's, uh, That's right. Your life is in, totally in the hands of somebody else. And you don't know, he's a bloody cokehead or whatever, or pisshead, or yeah. well, he hadn't slept for 48 hours. And I used to see it all the time and, it, you know, that's the way it was. But back then... Was accepted, and that's part of the norm. But certainly not now. And mate, what was the divers' actual job? What were they doing? What were what were they were they cleaning the barge? They'd, they'd strap on a helmet. They'd be decompressed in a chamber to get him to bottom uh, compression, whatever it was, say three hundred feet. They'd go down there, come out of the chamber. They're already they're already right to go. Doing bolts, flanges, pipes, digging, um, hooking up rigging, uh, working on platform legs, water blasting. Heaps of work. Uh, most of the time what they call hooking up spool work, bolting together spools on the seabed and so on. You know. And that's what they did. Um, those divers, they did so much like uh, the barge. Uh, it was in Hong Kong, working out of Hong Kong and Taiwan. I was working over there. And uh, they copped a big storm there and the barge tipped upside down. On the deck, they had a diver's chamber on there and they had three or four divers inside the chamber decompressing. When the barge tipped over and sunk, that was him finished. Uh, they couldn't get out. Uh, the company went back months later and uh, got those guys out. But then poor buggers died down there and they, and as that barge was sinking, they, they're on the deck looking through the, looking through the glass, talking to the guys outside. They're saying, like, we're going we're to die, we're going to die. And the blokes had signs say, not a damn thing they could do. The barge was lifting, I think, Quite a few people died on the whole thing. Yep. Now, I had friends on that particular barge and so on, but that's the way it was. Uh, those guys lost their lives and they were expats, a couple, couple of Yanks, Australian, Kiwi and so on. But that's the, the dangers of diving. That's yep. it. And they were under decompression. They couldn't, they still had three or four more days to decompress from the depth they've been working at. Yep. So they go into compression or go into compression, they might work for maybe a week or more or far more on the bottom of that. But when they finally come up and decompress, they go in a decompression chamber, it's a, it's a period of time. It might take 48 hours or 50 hours. Yeah. Depends what the depth they worked at in the period of time are there yeah. to get them back up there and do that. And Fucking uh, hell. 
Oh, mate, it was just, yeah, living in a, in a little steel cylinder with, you know, three other guys. And you taught us just a hole in the wall and that's it. Nothing to do in there. You can't do anything. And this, that's, but that's what they did. In the old days, the money wasn't so good. Money got better as time went on. And uh, I don't know what it's like now. Been in the industry for a while, but Fucking very hard, hard, very yeah. hard yakker, mate. Yeah, hard it yakker. would be, mate. I had a lot of, lot of good friends. I've got good friends I still talk to now that did it back... Yeah, you know, like 30 years ago, they're still doing it. But they're, they're the smart ones. They're the guys, they, they know what's going on. They look after each other. They've got their own group of people and boom, 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 and they know how to do it. Did um, any, any of them ever talk about any fucking Jawses or big fucking sharks or critters or anything on the bottom? Look, mate, I've seen, I've seen videos on the bottom, guys working, divers, pushing sharks away, pushing away big fish, seals. Uh, Bass Strait's a good example. The seals used to come in there and uh, seals don't forget. Uh, so the story goes, a uh, bloke down below dived in the bottom, seal harassing him, and he got a shift and he belted the seal on the nose and the seal took off. He come back down the same like three weeks later and the seal attacked him. He come straight and bit him here, bit a chunk out of him, you know. Yeah, right. And because that's, yeah, and that's, but mostly when on the bottom working, stuff going on, not, I don't, I've never really heard of divers being attacked by sharks and a job because there's too much happening it keeps them away. I saw a dive in Singapore in a barge I was on. One night they uh, went down below to what they call that. They cleaned out on the side of the barge what they call the, the strum box. It was a big box inside the barge, down under the water, which took up, picked up the water for the exhaust systems and uh, or the cooling systems for the engines. We come into dock this night and somebody said, listen, that needs cleaning out, they get mud in them. Well, this guy was on his own and he should have stayed there and just uh, been cool, but he didn't. He decided on his own to go to put the gear on and went down. We got to work the next morning, can't find him, disappeared. He went down, pulled the frame off the thing, went inside in the mud, there was a snakes, water snakes in there, sea snakes. They zapped him, he got bitten three or four times and zappo, she was all over. Yeah, right. And that's exactly where they found him, where he went into the into the box inside there. So, I mean, this this stuff happens all the time, you know, it's back yeah, in those, yeah. it's pretty Fuck. heavy-duty stuff, mate. Fucking danger money for oh, sure, mate. mate. Dangerous. Divers are unreal. I take my hat off to the buggers. They, I love them. A lot of my mates are, uh, I've got a lot of mates that are divers. And then you got, we'll say, you got the uh, illicit abalone divers. <laughs> yeah, well. From yeah. Bass Strait. You'd probably, well, I hope Campbell Strong's listening to this because Campbell's, uh, Campbell's a man. Yeah. He, he did that in Bass Strait. You know, those guys down there work down there, uh, abalone divers. It's heavy duty, same again. A couple got killed two years ago, got eaten by sharks and off southern Tasmania. Yeah. yeah. I know both been there and they bowled them out of the way and got out, but they keep doing it. So yeah. what? Yeah, that's next level of big hooners, mate. Yeah. That's fucking yeah, it craziness. It is. It's next level, mate. And, uh, and uh, All for something that I had. I had when, actually when I was in Perth over for the UFC this year, that was the first time I've ever had abalone. And, mate, I didn't fucking like it. <laughs> I thought it was shit, you know, like. Yeah. I know it's a, a lot of people in the world probably do like it, but. I think, fuck me, you yeah. know, for something that costs so much yeah. and such a delicacy, you know, like, yeah, I, 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 it was fucking terrible. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, to each your own. I guess it's, it's different ways you can cook it. You can prepare it different ways. But the thing is, like in Bass, like down there, it's, like I say, this local name, Campbell Straw, and I hope you listen, Campbell. Uh, he was notorious. He was abalone poacher and he got away for years and he did time and so on. He's still alive. He builds boats down in Melbourne. He builds the best fucking boats in Australia. This guy. What's his boat brand? Uh, Camcraft. Yeah, okay. Camcraft, he's building it. 
always been a great boat builder this bloke and he's built these boats and these cam crafts are probably the best the best hardwater boats in Australia, Oregon. But that guy used to go out there and they'd go out, another mate who flew helicopters and they used to go out there and poach, get out the islands and bash straight there. He made it a land, they'd take the stuff back there and so on. And so how do you poach an abalone, mate? It's not like, you know. Well, you don't have a licence. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, unlicensed fishing. Unlicensed fishing. Yeah, okay. That's what it is. Then where would, where would they offload them to? They like would probably get rid of, rid of yeah. them, yeah. Okay, right. In Melbourne, in Melbourne, it's just like any restaurants, they'd buy them all the time, yeah. Yeah, right. And big yeah. money. Back then, it was, back then it was really big money back in those days. Yep. And um, same me, me, mate Campbell, he, uh, he, did it, he did it pretty well. He was probably the best I've ever heard of, but he got caught and he did time and so on. But he came back yeah. and did it again. Yep. And... Uh, because he couldn't get a licence, yep. yes, you know. He tried hard, but uh, because you have that much trouble with the authorities. But then again, back in my days, I had a, had a beautiful boat. I had it parked in my driveway in the middle of the night, bash, crash out there, and the fish of the wildlife had torn it to pieces, climbed all over it. They were assholes yep. in my hometown. The fish, as I said, just, they were just, uh, they worse than coppers. Yeah. And they come in there and they did that sort of stuff and uh, they'd tear it apart and go through it all up and under, t- you know, it's, I could talk for an hour about it, you know. I was at a funeral. They come bash at the door demanding to know where I was yesterday. And I said, well, I'm at a funeral, mate, for Christ's sake. It's in my house, you know. That's the way it was. It was every duty. It was big money, big money, and the authorities went after the guys who did it yep. because the licensed guys were getting their ass kicked. Yeah. And I don't blame them. Yeah. They didn't want their people to poach them there because they cost big back big money for abalone licenses. Yeah. Hard yakker, dangerous work. And so if somebody comes in and poaches on them, um, it's, uh, it's all bad for them. They don't like it. So that's fair enough. That's the way it goes. But, mate, in this world, there's a lot of Ned Kellys. Yeah, 100%. A lot of Ned Kellys. And that, that bloke, my old mate Campbell Strong was a fucking Ned Kelly, all right. And uh, he was a – I think he wrote a book of this bloke. Actually, they're wild back though. Someone's talking about making a movie about him. But, uh, well, Campbell, shout out. Um, oh, probably yeah. true yarn podcast. Yeah, looking for Campbell, a, shout out to Campbell Strawn, mate. Yeah. He's a man to talk to. He can tell you some, you want some stories. Just like well, that. Tell some yarns, mate. He's across can... Bass Strait by a bloody helicopter, mate. <laughs> in a boat, you know. It's another story. Oh, mate, mate, it goes on and on. Yeah, wow. But he was, he was a modern day pirate. Yeah, nice. Modern day pirate. Yeah, well, mate. I the police, you know him. And his mate, bloody Mel, the chopper pilot. He was a raving lunatic. He flew a helicopter from me. He's working up in Cancoban putting the... The tunnels through blasting the tunnels through Cancoban. And he's flying a helicopter up there and taking the fuel into the tunnels and bringing it out this week. He rang me up, he said, I'm coming down to see you. So he flew this old bell from Cancoban down to uh, down to my place in Mount Taylor, landed it there, and it had, uh, had no radio. I don't think the older meter worked on it. And yeah, for the next three days, we just sat around there and drank piss and went flying. I just aggravated everybody in the South East. We chased cattle around, prime cattle around back paddies. He showed me how to muster and we went across this place called Eagle Point Bay and uh, yeah, this high off the water and this big talk to and straight up in the air the chopper ran out of steam and it'd fall out. <laughs> oh, mate. And uh, and that was back then. I think this, I look think back these days, I think my fucking blood runs cold. <laughs> I said, Jesus Christ, how did he do that? And he got away with it, you know, but he didn't in the end. He was uh, mustered up in the Northern Territory. And uh, his fire, I actually went up there one time with him and uh, did shooting, tuberculosis, brucellosis, eradication. Yeah. And uh, the uh, play girls come up there. Playboy. Yeah, the playboy girls. Playboy bunnies. Playboy bunnies come there. And uh, they asked him to stack on a show. They did a deal. Him and his mate had a deal with him. So when it was all over, he had to go and put on a show. And somebody else in the helicopter, he put on a show. <laughs> he went up and up and did a talk to her and come down and uh, 
couldn't pull it out of it, mate. They hit the water and the Norman River and, and uh, he, lucky he pulled his mate out of it. But yeah, he's got a big, nice big scar in his head now. He went through the bubble. Yeah, uh, man. But hard going, mate. I just, these guys are out there. They That's were really, fucking unreal. They were really out there, mate. I flew, I flew with this bloke up there, you know, shooting and just the way they, you see them on TV, these mushrooms and they're chucking these little choppers around. You're right on the edge all the time. Oh, mate, there's, no, there's no room, no room for anything. You know? I, you, I've got a lot of mates that are chopper pilots, mate, mushroom pilots, and mate, I have the utmost respect for them because <laughs> they are fucking lunatics and they're very good at their job. But yeah. like you said, mate, they're on the limit of the whole time. Yeah. And they, um, yeah, it's fucking unreal, like what they do and yep. and what they can push that machine to do within its capabilities and past its capabilities, you know. Yep. So well, yeah, it blew me away when you start getting physically sick inside those things, mate. It's uh, you're right there, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? And now I got physically sick. No worries yeah. about that. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store, Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.